his parents by refusing to involve himself in any of the activities they felt him suited to. So he took up a racket almost before his father was aware of needing a game. You might have played instead of that little girl. At least you have some idea. Mrs. Howard rose from the low bamboo chair. I'll get some cold drinks. That will give them an excuse to stop. But it's so hot. I'd get burnt. Zoe touched her pale cheek. Anna's fair, too. She probably goes brown just the same. A lot of fair people do. Zoe yawned and slid her fingers again across her smooth white face. Nobody plays tennis anymore. You could have an Olympic pool down there. I wish you would. This had been said before. Be nice if they come up while I'm in the kitchen. You know Anna's a little orphan. Zoe gave an indescribable sound of disgust. She rolled her head about, seeming quite unable to recover. A little orphan? Anyway, if she is, so is her brother, and you can't pretend he's pathetic. In one beautiful impulsive movement, she was at her mother's side by the door, smiling into her eyes, eager, appealing, high-spirited, but meaning no harm, teasing, but vulnerable. Why didn't you have a game? Her voice was soft, almost caressing. I get breathless. Do you want any help? Should I bring out the drinks? You sit down. It's all in my mind what I want to do. I'll call if I need you. Mrs. Howard looked at her daughter with admiration and love, patted her shoulder, and went inside. Zoe lay down again, staring across the garden, past the camphor laurels, to the place where her father, her brother, and her brother's two newfound orphans ran about in the sun. Whether the expressions so recently shown on her face belonged to the luminous quality of her eyes, or to the shape of her mouth, or to her nature, neither Zoe nor her mother yet knew. She was only seventeen. Zoe had wakened in this square stone house on the north side of Sydney Harbour, and learned soon afterwards from her family and their friends that she was remarkable. There was a big garden. There were people of her own size for company. At the end of the short street of old houses in long-established gardens was a white curved beach with rocks, rock pools, very small waves, shells, pebbles, fine sand. She swam before she walked. Once, on a school tour to view relics of old colonial days, a girl carved her initials on the smoke-darkened stool in the anteroom of a courthouse. They were queuing to enter the cells and inspect the irons clamped on the necks and legs of convicts in another world. In a fiction, they disbelieved entirely. The pupil with the knife was pounced on. Ah! Patricia has just reassured future generations about the date of her visit. They'll be so interested. An outstanding girl like Patricia. The girl mumbled. Her companions brooded. The teacher, much tried, told them, You're non-entities, that's what you are.
Could anything be worse? Especially when it was not even true. Zoe was one of those whose parents were referred to in newspapers and magazines as well-known identities. Her mother and father were biologists and had written textbooks and others for the general reader, which had been published overseas. They had traveled. They were invited to join public discussion groups. They were interviewed and photographed and were on the list of those whose opinions on every subject from crime to mayonnaise were expected to be of interest to the whole city. Mrs. Howard was a useful example of a woman who combined a successful career with a happy home life. Whenever such a phenomenon needed illustration, journalists and producers were as likely...